0: Performerstuff.com presents In the Holding Room with Christian Abbott. Hey, everyone, you're In the Holding Room with me, Christian Abbott. Thank you so much for tuning in. And hey, if you haven't subscribed yet to this podcast, hit the subscribe button. Also, tell a friend and check us out at In the Holding Room on Facebook. You can like and follow us there. And you can also send us messages and ask us questions at In the Holding Room on Facebook. And if you want to watch these interviews and see who I'm talking to, make sure you check us out at Performerstuff.com as well. Now, last week, we had an amazing episode with three incredibly talented women, and today, it's the guy's turn. Today, from teacher to West End leading man, the incredible Matthew Goodgame is on, going to be telling his story, and he's our performer spotlight today. In my Thank You Five segment, I'll be talking about an uncomfortable conversation that I wish somebody had with me to avoid the embarrassing situation I ended up in. I think there's probably a lot of men out there who can uh, relate to the story I'm going to tell, but I think it's important for a lot of uh, women and teachers and instructors to understand as well having uncomfortable conversations is better than embarrassing situations, especially for, well, for everyone. But me as a young man, I, I, Felt it right away. (laughs) And in my Professor's Corner section, uh, I'm going to be talking to the incredible Ralph Perkins, an amazing performer and choreographer. And he is now director of dance in the theater division at the University of Hartford. And he has some wonderful advice that everyone needs to hear. And even though you're paying for college, you still need to earn the right for your dance teacher to give you notes. And you're going to find out why. All this and more today in the Holding Room with me, Christian Abbott.
1: Performer Stuff was created to meet the needs of folks just like you, performers, educators, and professionals in the entertainment industry. At Performer Stuff, you can search our online store for monologues and music for your next audition or to use in your classroom. On our More Good Stuff blog, you can access hundreds of articles and how-to lists created just for you by industry professionals. There are dance and voice classes and workshops at PS Academy. Plus, you can download podcasts and shows just like this one, featuring performers and entertainment pros from around the world. Basically, it's an online community just for you. So check out the website at performerstuff.com or follow us on social media.
0: Today in Performer Spotlight, an amazing man and an amazing performer from Las Vegas to Singapore and Germany, international tours, European tours, Paris, London, West End stage. He's done it all. You might have seen him if you're over in that neck of the woods. playing Sky Masterson in Guys and Dolls over in Paris. He was Pat Denning and Understudy to Julian Marsh in 42nd Street on the West End. He was Prince Charming in Cinderella. He was Greaseball in Starlight Express. He was the Pharaoh in Joseph of the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. This guy has done so much because he is wickedly talented, he's a great human being, and I am so grateful that he is joining us today in Performer Spotlight. Please welcome Matthew Goodgame. Matthew Goodgame, it's so great to have you on today. Man, from, from what, Vegas to Germany, Singapore to the West End, you've you've done so much and you've accomplished so much from theater to TV, concerts, movies. And I know our, our audience can learn a lot from from your experience. So again, thank you so much for being on today.
2: Oh, an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Christian, for asking me.
0: When you think back on your early career and landing those those first, you know, gigs, you know, can you take us back and walk us through one of those
2: experiences? Absolutely. The first audition I ever did was really I sort of came in as a bit of a, a curved angle to the normal sort of going to a college and training and then coming to perform uh, this way. I, I trained as a primary school teacher, but I used to dance in my spare time. And uh, even when I was teaching in a classroom, I, I'd sometimes come in the morning and I'd sing the register. So I would sing to them and they'd sing back. And then I would get up on the table, do a bit of tap dancing. So it was always in my body to try to do it, but I was sort of. I wasn't let loose. And then um, my friends who owned the dance school that I used to go to said, enter this competition. And it was for a TV show, sort of the musical version of uh, X Factor or American Idol. And uh, so I went, yeah, I'll give that a go. I had no real experience of what auditions were. I didn't really know a lot about musicals because I came from more of a sporting background, um, which I think helped when it came to dancing because I was quite bodily aware. But uh, I, I thought, yeah, okay. So I had to do a video, which is about 10 minutes long. And it was a few dance routines, some singing, and uh, you had to introduce yourself to the camera at the beginning. And this was back in the day when you had to wind the cameras up. So it's a few years <laughs> ago. And uh, I just bought myself a motorbike and I lived down by the sea. So I thought, oh, that'd be really cool. So I, I came on my motorbike, pulled up and said, hi, my name is Matthew Goodgame, I'm 23. Um, And I introduced myself that way. And then I had like a little showreel afterwards and I got a call back, it was about maybe three weeks later and they said, I would love you to come to London. And can you come to London and audition for the next round you've got through? So I was like, oh, wow, what do I do? do?" So I had to think of a song to take with me. Um, And I didn't really have many songs in my repertoire. So I took one of my favorites and I took that along. And as I walked down, it was the first time I'd been to London by myself as well. Wow. So I was real sort of, uh, fish out of fish out of water. And so as I came down the steps into the audition hall, really, there was lots of people all around and the receptionist said, it's the bike guy. And it, <laughs> it was because of my motorbike. All right. <laughs> got You're me through out. the first, first stage, Maybe, hopefully some of my singing as well, but that got me through the first one. And then it went on for multiple rounds over a few months. Um, and it was quite a long process because obviously it was for TV, so that to uh, do it in a different, uh, a different way to how you do musical theatre. But that was my first experience of an audition, <coughs> excuse me, uh, which was to a video camera and um, just riding in on motorbike. Well, so, I think that's incredibly rele- relevant, especially in this day and age when so
0: many auditions have gone virtual, right? With yeah. the world shutting down, actors, voice actors, performers, still performing virtually. You know, that's yeah. that's not a technique that has gone unnoticed. And I think uh, performers um, and the industry are going to have to get used to video submission, virtual auditions uh, more so than ever before.
2: I think, I think it's very important to invest in a little bit of money to get, if you haven't got like a, a white screen behind you or a nice white wall, or maybe like a selfie light or some sort of spotlight system because it needs to look professional uh, straight away. Everything's very instant in the modern day. Um, they will know within five, 10 seconds, just looking at you, if it's not set up right, if it's not landscaped and it's portrait instantly, they might think, oh, they haven't set the camera up right. So you're off to a bad start straight away. So you've just got to set it up. It might be a couple of hundred pounds or a few hundred dollars. You've got it. I know there's not a lot of money around at the moment because there's no jobs, but I think that's quite a good investment to get.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, you 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 have a very unique experience here auditioning on this on this huge TV show. But I mean, you've done so many shows over your career. What about one of those experiences walking into the room, you know, at maybe a more typical audition where you put your music down on this, on the piano and you're singing in front of a panel or...
2: I've been quite lucky in the fact that a lot of my auditions have come from possibly other jobs that I've done before. So they often send me material for my, one of my first auditions. And so you learn the material possibly from the show. But I have had quite a few auditions where you have to take your own music. And one of my first auditions, uh, going back to when I was a mere beginner, was for a cruise ship and it was an open audition And I I walked in and there was 200 people, at least 200 people just waiting um, to go in. And I walked in, I just thought, what's happening? There's so many people here. And you had to sign your name in. And I was very lucky. I had a different experience in the fact that, because I'd just done the TV show, it must've been about four or five months prior and it just aired, that my name, I didn't realize people knew my name from doing the show. And um, the, all of a sudden I'd been there about five, 10 minutes and they said, uh, Matthew, good game please. And everyone else just looked going, <laughs> he's just turned up. They're looking at like number 187 on their ticket to to go in. And uh, so I walked past all these guys and um, just walked into the room and they were really nice and said, thank you so much for coming, etc." cetera. So I, I was quite lucky in the fact that I started in a a position where people knew my name and what I'd done. So it wasn't almost a blind audition. But I went in there, gave the music, and I I sang a pop song. Uh, I think it was the Lady in Red, Christopher, a number. Um, And it had quite a high note in, and I was quite pleased that went well. (laughs) But then afterwards they said, oh, so um, how are your languages? And I went, oh, not too bad. Um, my mum and dad have a place in France and my brother's fluent in Spanish. I didn't speak any languages, but I just deflected the question. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was I was very lucky in that audition because as soon as I finished, I, I did a few things for them. I did a dance routine, um, which they sort of taught me individually. And then I left and I was walking down the street and I was on the phone and um, they came out, they went, Matt, Matt come back, come back. So they called me from down the street and then they offered me the job there and then. It was the weirdest audition. Wow. No other job really has happened that way. (laughs) That was one of my my first ones. But it is daunting. And I've had a lot of auditions where you go in and there's lots and lots of people just waiting and you're eyeing up. You go, okay, I'm up for the same role as you because you're roughly the same look as me all right, I should have worked out a bit more, <laughs> sort of thing. Um, so it's very daunting, that initial step in.
0: When you get sent material, how do you go about learning those songs
2: or learning those those sides or scenes? Well, I, I'm quite liking the fact that I play the piano a little bit. Not fantastically, but I can sort of get by. Yeah. But it's, I think it's the best bit of advice I've sort of given myself is really work hard so you know it like the back of your hand even if you're holding the script um, and I, i'm not sure if it's different in, in broadway in america to england is it sort of poo-pooed the idea that if you hold the script you, it's not going to be good here that's the common uh, thinking of people but it's not if you have it there it can just be like a safety blanket really um but i i I go over my lines as much as I can. First of all, I learn my individual lines, and I um, th- feel the whole uh, scene mood, and then I read with my wife Melanie, and uh, she often laughs if I'm doing something wrong. Or, um, but it's good to just read it with someone because you can learn it by yourself. But as soon as you hear the voices coming back, then it can throw you off a little bit. And uh, with the learning the song, it's one one thing I would suggest is. Get it with a piano backing track if you can in any way because you put instruments in there yeah. and it sounds so different so you get in there and all you hear is a plinky plonky or a chord Dung. Yeah. normally you would hear where's the guitar where's yeah. the drums? that's it so try to get it with what you're going to get in the audition i would say yeah that's
0: that's a that's a great point you, you bring up a couple of things that i want to make sure that we touch on one is you've gotten you said you mentioned you mentioned you got a lot of jobs because of the jobs that you've had. And I think that's a, that's a testament to not only your talent, but your work ethic, because talent will only get you so far. If you weren't a great guy to work with, people wouldn't be recommending you for another job. Yeah, then uh, it, it also comes back to what you just said about uh, working your audition. You mentioned like knowing it like the back of your hand, you know, and that's one of the things that I am, that I like to testify to is outworking the next person you're auditioning with, because maybe they're just as talented or more talented than you, but if you can outwork them, then you're going to probably land the job. So you can take away one of that, one of those measurables because you know it like the back of your hand. So those are, sorry to interrupt, but those are two great things. Those are just value bombs that I wanted to make sure our audience heard is, you know, your network can really help you out.
2: And it's your work ethic that'll help you land that job. And I think that's, (sighs) equally or more important because it's not you're not just doing one show, it's not a concert. You're working with a cast and creative team and a whole theatre staff for a year or longer. And if you're a black cloud that comes in, but then you can perform amazingly, that's great. But do people really want to work with you? So um I think I think you're right. I, I'm quite lucky. I love performing because I don't know. I just, I, it's a, a pleasure and an honor to be able to do something I love. Cause I know a lot of friends from back home that they're in a job that they're not a hundred percent happy with. And my philosophy is if it's not something you want to do, don't do it. You've got to work hard to try to get yourself out of whatever that feeling is, because you only live once. Well, that I know of, <laughs> but um, <laughs> hopefully there's more, um, but you've, You've got to do something you're happy with. And there was a guy I worked with in Dirty Dancing, and he used to come in and he used to moan about everything all the time. And he was going on doing a show and come, and I was like, I won't say any names, but I just say, why are you doing it? Why? Why do you? And he said, Ah, oh, you know, it's it's what I do, isn't it? But he loved it. But his his way of expressing himself was to moan about it. As like, oh, yeah, I'm doing this again. But he loves it. So it was very strange, but it was getting a bit tiresome after a while.
0: Yeah, you can, you can go and fold T-shirts at the Gap if you want, you know. That's it. You don't have to be here. <laughs> yeah, there's so many people that do want to be here. Do you have any techniques now to, to calm your nerves? Um... Is it just not something that affects you anymore? I mean, you've had some huge roles and some big productions. So do you ever get past kind of being nervous like that?
2: You've got to be a little bit nervous, but you've got to enjoy and appreciate and think it's a good feeling instead of thinking nerves is a bad feeling because nerves is often adrenaline, but you can't have too much adrenaline because then you get tingles in your hands. And I've had that before and your brain doesn't quite function properly. So, you've got to enjoy, the best bit of advice I've had is you've got to enjoy it because if you don't enjoy it, the audience don't enjoy it. And that was one of the, if you flip it round, so even when you go to an audition and you go in and have a good time, you might not be right for what they're looking for, but you've given the best you you can possibly do. Um, but when you're on stage, if you're not enjoying it, the audience start to get a little bit tense. They go, oh, he's a bit worried about this song or this dance. Yeah. So if they don't think anything like that then you're doing a great job and they they're in the moment with you. That's that that's an interesting point. Nobody likes
0: to watch somebody who's nervous on stage and I think a, a way that everybody can experience that is just by tuning into some of the talent show competitions on TV right now. I yeah. mean you watch some of the less experienced people auditioning and they're so nervous and they're so scared and you feel that watching them on TV. Ooh, oh, ah man sure they are really wonderful. uncomfortable. So to your point, you know, really, you know, just enjoy it. That's a that's a great bit of advice.
2: Yeah, I think, I think that's really important. When I was Danny Zuko uh, in Greece, I used to, we, we had such a, a low side of stage section, but I was pushed on, on this ladder to start the first moment. And Sandy was the other side of the stage. And I was literally, the, the lights were just above my head. Luckily, I didn't have this hair then. Well, actually I did, it was in a big quiff, but <laughs> fire hazard, it was, certainly it was. But um, I was there and you could see the audience, but they couldn't see you. And I was there for about two, three minutes before they pushed you on, sort of in a crouched crouch position. And then you stand up into a spotlight. And sometimes I used to laugh, so I just used to laugh to myself quietly just before they pushed me on, just like, <laughs> and then it went, and it just seemed to dissipate because obviously Danny Zuko, he had a bit of a cool laugh. And so I was sort of, that just got me into the character a bit more and it, all the pressure came off. So that was one little technique I did.
0: Oh, I like that. That's, that's great. I mean, I think that that actually has like a chemical reaction in the brain to make yourself laugh Uh, You know, your body will portray what your brain believes. So I think that's that is a great technique. They talk about taking power poses, you know, putting your hands on your hips and taking up as a way of building confidence. But I think what you're tapping into there—that laughing is a way of of transferring that nervousness uh, into confidence. And I, that's that's awesome. I have never heard that before, but I can, I can totally see how that would, that would work. I love that. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. And I can't
2: get rid of any, um, any, any extra thought processes that are, are coming in, trying to put you off. Um, Cause it's so your, your, your brain talks to you the whole time you're performing and it's trying to just quieten that little voice saying, are you doing that right? Are you on the right mark? Are you coming up to this part of the song? So there's so many things to think about. And for me that worked really well, just a little laugh and you forgot about everything else and you could just concentrate
0: yeah i mean before any nervous situation even before you step into that audition room just give yourself a little laugh okay let's just go in there and have fun you know so that's that's it yeah so what are you doing these days how can people get in contact with you or seek your advice and 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 utilize your talent well
2: um Well, I'm doing, at the moment, sadly, there's not a lot going on, (laughs) but um, usually we put on lots of concerts for the Alzheimer's Society, which is to do with dementia as well. And uh, because I lost my mum when she was 60, sadly. So I've, I've sort of set it upon myself to keep my mum's memory alive, but also um, just to try to help find a cure with raising a little bit of money Uh, for this horrendous disease. So I put on lots of concerts all around the the country and I I get a lot of friends from the West End uh, come over and they sing and we have a laugh. We literally do have a laugh. Um, (laughs) And it's like four friends on stage. Um, And obviously, you know, my wife, Melanie, with the Spinettes, a vintage trio, we perform with them as well. And that's a side thing that I've done for quite a long time, maybe for the last five, six years, but it's sort of picking up and picking up and i i like sitting back and coming up with the ideas for the show so i'm doing more sort of the directing side but then being in it as well so i have the be- <laughs> the best of both worlds so sing a few songs and tell people where to stand which i i quite like um but one of the things i'm i have another a piano business which is to do with uh auditioning it's called uh, audition Pianist be prepared and it's because it's one of my philosophies I've sort of taught myself over the years, just be prepared. And I've been into auditions, even though I know I can play the piano a little bit. If you're singing a time number, I, w- I can't play a time piece because that is all over the place. Yeah. So you go in there and they are not playing any of the notes that you are singing. And so I, I, it was partly with my wife as well. I'm not sure if she mentioned, but sometimes I used to help her with some of her songs but there's a lot of people that don't have that and they go to an audition and they've found things on youtube or they've listened to the backing track and they, they get into the audition and then they are thrown off a bit when you just hear a plinky-plunky piano in the corner of the room um, so i wanted to to help people uh, like that and set up a business for myself and that is i have a bank of west end pianists who i contact and then it's same day or next day delivery and they you literally send me sheet music and uh, i have it recorded and send it back to you. So sort of giving back to people that are up, up and coming. All right, that's yeah. awesome. I wish yeah. I had that when I was getting the audition
0: circuit. <laughs> All right, well, Matthew good game. it's been a pleasure having you and learning from you and thank you for sharing your experiences. If you don't mind, I'd like to bring you back in a minute for our lightning round. Fantastic, I'm ready. All right. Matthew Goodgame, are you ready for our lightning round? I am ready. Okay, well, (laughs) we got some questions here for you and we're gonna get through them as quickly as possible. So just some gut reactions. Your first question, first Broadway soundtrack you ever obsessed over?
2: Uh, Phantom of the Opera.
0: Go-to song when singing in the shower? Oh, what a beautiful morning. (laughs) Cake or pie? Cake. Show you wish
2: you could go back in time to be in? Or oh, Starlight Express because my body wouldn't hurt as much.
0: <laughs> Who is someone that if they punched you in the face, you would not be mad? Uh, Julia Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> if you could do one show for the next five years, what would it be? Mm, Greece. Say good day, mate, in an Australian accent. <laughs> good day, mate. Stephen Sondheim is writing a musical about your favorite childhood toy. What is it? Uh, A pool table. Okay. (laughs) Stephen Sondheim's The Pool Table. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, you might have answered this question already. South Pacific or Oklahoma? Oklahoma. Oh, yes. Difficult. (laughs) Oklahoma still. All right. Uh, Sour Patch Kids or Swedish Fish? Uh, Swedish Fish. I don't know what the other one is. You don't have Sour Patch Kids in the UK?
2: We Uh, probably do, but uh, but I don't
0: don't Well, let me know. I'll send you some. Okay. (laughs) You can do a side-by-side. Which animal adds more joy to the world, squirrels or llamas? Uh, Squirrels. Go-to cast album when on a road trip?
2: Well, I think at the moment it would have to be Frozen because my wife would (laughs) Tell me off if we didn't have Disney playing. (laughs) Next superhero to have a Broadway show. Good question. uh, Wonder Woman or the Hulk? (laughs) The Hulk could be very interesting. The Hulk could be good.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I show up to, okay, here we go. I show up to an audition. You haven't seen me dance or heard me sing or seen me act. What do you typecast me as?
2: Uh... Jekyll and Hyde, because you could use the glasses mm. for an yes. Mm-hmm. Mm. There you go. All right. Yes. I like it, Jekyll and Hyde. I
0: will take it. Me and David Hasselhoff. <laughs> 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 Matthew Goodgame, it has been so great having you here. Thank you so much for sharing your time and sharing your experiences. And I wish you all the best. Tell Melanie hi and that little 18 month year old, all the best with him as well. Thanks, Christian. Lovely to speak to you. Look after yourself. You too. Thanks. Thank you.
1: If you have a huge audition coming up and you don't want to search through the same old monologue books, check out performerstuff.com. Our custom search feature lets you narrow down exactly what you're looking for, get a quick preview of the monologue, then print it out. Plus, lots of materials come straight from the playwright, so you won't walk in with the same monologue as everyone else. It's the easiest way to get your audition or classroom monologues. Search, preview, print at performerstuff.com.
0: Thank you so much, Matthew. You know, one of the things that we don't talk about very much, but has gotten a lot of momentum in the past couple of years, and there's some really cool TED Talks and books about this as well, and that's how your physical stance can change your energy it can change how you feel you can change anxiety into excitement you can change nervousness into confidence all by the way in which you stand if you stand in a powerful position with your hands on your hips and your legs out wide for two minutes your brain will change to a level of confidence that you didn't have two minutes before they call these power poses and they're real And that's kind of what Matthew was talking about by just making himself laugh a little bit. Those have actual chemical and neurological effects on your brain. And they're wonderful tips right before you go out on stage or right before an audition or right before a job interview or a date. Stand in a power pose, take up as much space as you can for two minutes and let your brain absorb that and change anxiety into confidence. A great little trick there from Matthew Goodgame. Greatly appreciate it. You can apply that to your daily life, not even just your performer life. So, thank you, Matthew Goodgame. Today on Thank You Five, I'm going to talk about something a little embarrassing, eh, a little bit personal, but if it helps even one person not go through what I went through, and my mission has been accomplished. Now, when I was in junior high, my dance teacher pulled me aside for before one of our recitals. And she said, Christian, you're gonna need to get a dance belt. And I thought, what's a dance belt? I was dancing for several years in Texas before I moved to Ohio. And this is the first time I'm ever hearing of a dance belt. Well, a dance belt, she said, is it's like a G string and it goes under your tights that way they can't see your underwear lines through your tights. Ah, huh. makes total sense. Okay, so I'll go and get a G-string. So I told my dad, hey, dad, I need to get a G-string. What? What for? Well, it's, like, it's, it's called a dance belt, and I need to get one for my costume for the recital. Okay, so he takes me to the BX the base exchange because we lived on an Air Force base and we bought a G string for a men, a men's G string with my father in junior high. Yeah, that, that was all weird, but my dad is awesome. He supported me throughout my entire dance career and he bought me a, D- a G string for my recital. So I put my G string on, put my costume on. This is a dress rehearsal for the recital. My dance teacher said, what is that? I said, this is the G string. She was like, I asked you to get a dance belt. You said a dance belt was a G string. So yeah, embarrassing, especially junior high, going through all the things that young boys and young girls go through around junior high. So a dance belt isn't just to prevent people from seeing your panty lines or your underwear lines. It's to support the male anatomy and it's to prevent the audience from seeing certain shapes underneath The tights, had this been explained to me, I would have shopped completely different. Maybe I would have gone to an actual dance store to find a dance belt. And it can be an embarrassing conversation and it, it was probably an embarrassing conversation for me to listen to as a young adolescent, but an embarrassing conversation is a lot better than an embarrassing situation. So there's lots of these kinds of conversations. Dance belts are very important, especially for young boys who are getting into dance, but especially for the health of any performer, any male performer, who's gonna be jumping and dancing around. So have that conversation so that people know what a dance belt is and it isn't just a G-string, but also those conversations of personal hygiene and personal care. You know, there are really difficult conversations that costumers have to have with performers and shows because of their body odor. Maybe company managers, maybe, maybe directors and choreographers, lots of people have had these kinds of conversations because people don't shower on a regular basis, because people don't use deodorant on a regular basis. You're in a rehearsal room for 10 hours out of the day, you might want to bring some deodorant. And you might want to bring some breath mints or a toothbrush or in a tooth and toothpaste. You know, there are performers and shows who drink coffee and smoke cigarettes and, you know, have a snack in between you know, acts and that affects your breath. Well, guess what? Now you have to go and maybe stand face to face with somebody or kiss them or argue with them. And you're breathing all over them. You're going to want a breath mint. You're going to want to brush your teeth. You're going to want to practice good hygiene habits. And remember never refuse a mint from anybody they that might be their only way of saying you need a mint so never ever refuse a mint anytime somebody is offering one it could just be hey do you want a mint and they could mean nothing by it but they could mean something by it so never refuse a mint a little lesson that I learned a long time ago so practice good hygiene have embarrassing conversations because they're better than embarrassing situations and with that Thank you,
1: five. If you need music for an audition or a voice lesson, stuff has got you covered. Performerstuff.com offers not only full music sheets, but also 32-bar and 16-bar cuts, pre-selected by our on-staff music directors with an intro and easy-to-read sheet for your accompanist. If you need some help practicing, you can download an audition bundle with the sheet music, a vocal lead, and practice track. Plus, the audio on the track matches the sheet music, so you can walk into your audition knowing exactly what to expect. As always, our search feature makes it easy for you to find what you're looking for. So when you need music, come check us out at performerstuff.com.
0: Today on Professor's Corner, I am thrilled to welcome this incredible man. He started his career off as a professional dancer. He became a choreographer and choreographed at the Goodspeed Theater, the Muni, Paper Mill Playhouse. He choreographed major productions out in Las Vegas. He was the artistic director of New Works Project, where he choreographed over 40 original works for them. And he's now the director of dance at the University of Hartford. He is an incredible man who has mentored the careers of so many people, and I know he has a lot to teach you. So please, welcome to Professor's Corner, the incredible Ralph Perkins. Ralph Perkins, it is amazing to be seeing you and to be talking to you today. I hope you're doing well. How how are you doing?
3: I'm doing great. You know, (laughs) it's it's, it's winter in New England, but it is, you know, (laughs) feet of snow all that good stuff, but you know, it's, it's life is good. I can't really
0: You've taught on so many different level, levels from high school to collegiate to professional. Yeah, you, you've been a professional performer. You have choreographed some major productions and I know you have a lot to offer our audience and what you're going through now with all of those college submissions, is there anything that you want to point out to students who are looking to get into a dance or a theater program that maybe they're not aware of, or maybe they're doing wrong? um first off do your research um
3: know know the program that you are committing to and commit to the program um we are i am at the heart school at the at the university of hartford in connecticut and we're what two two and a half hours out of new york city and you know a couple hours from boston or whatever um but you know, a lot of times we get students that that uh, that, that you know they 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 love our location because it, they can get to the city, and it's uh, and so you know I've even had students you know or, or perspectives you know ask of, they ask me questions, and and all of our questions are sitting around when I get to the city and audition and this that, and the other. And I go, okay, wait a minute, are you coming here to audition in the city? Are you coming here to to, 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 to take this program, which is to train you <laughs> for that? And so. It's just very important that, that you, you understand the program that you're going for and what you're going to get out of that program. I mean, take, taking musical theater or dancing is not an easy ticket. It's, it, it's, it's actually probably harder in some cases because of the time involved and in, in what you have to do, because there's all the work outside of the class that has to be done that is not looking at a book. It's you working on yourself. And so that and that work, if you're not willing to do that work or put that work in, then it's a moot point in, in period. You know, no matter even if you know people that don't go to college in these things still have to work at, at those aspects to make it in any kind of business or any kind of career. It's like you have to work for it and and going to class is not enough it just can't be and 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 especially not for dance you know dance is one of those and and that is my that's my specialty within musical theater but it you know dance is something that requires you know hours of of work and training outside of the class with the teacher um there's a great movie with um stanley tucci and j-lo and i i want to say um Shall we dance, or something like that? Or I think is that the name of it? Yes, it is. And and Uh, Richard and and Richard Gere's in it.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Susan Sarandon, Richard Gere. Yeah, yeah.
3: Yes. And 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 in Sanji says he's for every hour you, you must practice five, you know, or whatever. And it's like it's like and that's the truth. There's no there's no, that's not just he didn't just make that up, you know. Yeah. And and that's for anyone who takes on any kind of art form. And I, I think that gets lost somewhere between high school and college because people think, well, I'm just gonna do that and I'm gonna take more classes and that's gonna get it for me. And I say, so a lot of times I have students that come in who've had minimal dance training that think in four years of classes, they're going to be professionally ready. And I go, no, you know, that you'll build a foundation to work from, but it takes years and years of training to, to get there, unless unless you're a prodigy, unless you you unless you have that incredible talent that you walk in and it just happens, you know? And I have had students that have done pretty much that as well, so... Um, yeah, you got to put the work in.
0: You think of the time that professional dancers put in, you know, the time that they put in, they could have been doctors, they could have been lawyers, you know, myself, I started taking dance when I was 10 years old, you Mm -hmm. know, so you think like that, that first year of just that tap class. You know, every day after school for half an hour or an hour from the time I was in fifth grade all the way through my adulthood. And then, you know, onto my professional, I was still taking dance classes as a professional. Yeah. So it it never ends. But in all of that time, you know, we could have been doctors for the amount of time we spent in dance class. And that's the Mm -hmm. level of commitment that I think you have to think about if You want that to be your career, it's not just right. four years of dance class three times a week in college. Right. <laughs> That's a great point.
3: No, it is. And if you don't, I mean, it's, I, 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 I preach this to my students, you know. I tell them, Go, how many of you work on your voice every day? And they all raise their hand They go, But how many, but why aren't you, but, but how many work on your dancing every day? And like, you know, some of them, like, oh, you know, it's like, okay, well, then. What makes you think that this is not gonna? You know, it's like you have to put that kind of time in as well. You know, a, a, a colleague of mine who who is now passed away he was an incredibly wonderful man by the name of Kevin Gray, He was um uh, one of the phantoms on Broadway. Um, and he said he he used to say, musical theater takes three lifetimes of study. It's like you know, it's like you know, it, it's it's you know, dance. Uh, music and acting and you have that that you know, it's like it's it's that's how much it takes you know to be able to like if you want to be that triple threat that everyone wants to be you know or whatever it's like that's three lifetimes of study you know <laughs> to, yeah. to try to cram into a, a lifetime you know
0: <laughs> i love that that's it takes three lifetimes <laughs> oh that's a that's a great that's a great yeah. quote he, 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 he was he was he was
3: he was incredible man It's brilliant yeah he yeah
0: he is um but it's the truth your field of expertise is dance at your university. You have a lot of singers who come in. What is that advice for those young singers who maybe didn't follow that dance pass path? Have less of a, if of you're a going talent for dance.
3: Get in a class.
0: Get in a class. I,
3: I tell I tell them when they come in and audition. I said, if you're not in a dance class, you need to be in anything. I don't care if it's hip hop, um, ballet, jazz, tap, anything. I mean, you you in musical theater, you move it's 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 not opera you don't stand and sing and that's it and you have to be even in opera they have they they study movement so they know how to gesture you know and do things with their you know expressively and all of that you have to be able to physically you know embody a character or an or an ensemble member of, of any show
0: you know Yeah, you think of some of the, even the big leads that aren't even known for dancing. I mean, look at Tony in West Side Story. Tony doesn't have any real choreography, but he has to hold himself. He has to carry himself. He's still in the dance in the gym a little bit with Maria when when they're dancing. And so that level of coordination, even for somebody who classifies themselves as a singer, has to have a certain amount of grace and poise. It all has to be studied. Even the
3: things that we think are natural or come come natural to certain people or whatever yes things do but at the same time in order to to emulate any kind of emotion or or to show um any kind of um directive or or have impulse or have um um um, intention Mm -hmm. you have to work at it, you have to, you have to, you have to, because, it, it, um, okay, n- another brilliant person in this world is Twyla Tharp, and she she has this incredible book called The Creative Habit um, that I recommend any artist to read. Um, and it is, and it's been a while since I read the book, but it, she says something in it to the, 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 the sake of, um, people that are lucky have prepared themselves for the luck. Yeah. You know, it's because they they've they've worked and they've practiced and they've, they've, they've studied and they've done all these things. So when time
0: comes and that moment happens, that's that we call luck. Yeah. She said, no, they were prepared for that. You can be at the right place at the right time. But if you can't perform when called upon in that right place in time, you ain't going to get it. You ain't going to make the go. impression that you were hoping to make. You got to be you got to be prepared. Right. And, and let's let's stay on. So being prepared, you know when people audition for you to get into your program or students who are already in your program are auditioning for you to be in one of your shows wh- what are those beginner mistakes that you you know that they just need to remedy they're just amateur mistakes that need a little bit of polish
3: you've got to be prepared with the material coming in especially for a callback if you come in for a callback and you haven't literally looked at the, the of what you should be called back for the material and know it in, in in some way it's a waste of time it's a waste of time for the for everyone it's like you know and, and I tell my students it's show business mm, and the word right. business is twice as long as the word show so if you can't work for the business of it you don't get to show <laughs> it's like i mean and if you're costing money or time, then you're not working for the business of it. You know, and it's like ultimately, yeah. I tell them, I said, if 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 you are holding up the operation due to lack of prep of preparation, you're you're not going to work. They don't want you. It's like no, you. They want people that are know what they're doing and are and are prepared. But the thing is, when you get into the creative process of building a show or creating a show or doing anything of that nature, there, there is you have to bring something to the table. It can't be the directors and the choreographers. They don't have all the answers they have. They, yes, they have ideas. They have vision. They have all these things, but they don't have all the answers because ultimately it's figuring out the answers that make the, the show work. And so and when and when when the performer doesn't bring something to the table in in that respect as well, then basically they're just being told what to do. Then they're just a tool that the director goes, do it like this. And and no director wants to tell any actor how to say every line. It just doesn't work that way or or how to sing a song and no choreographer wants to tell you every move of how to make it. They want you to, to infuse it and infiltrate it with you. They want you to do their work. Now you don't change their work. You yeah. have to do it's like that's my favorite too. I love it when students, you know, I go, I go, okay, now infuse it with you. And all of a sudden they start changing the choreography. I go, no, 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 no. You don't change it to your liking. I said, because ultimately. Those actors that are doing Midsummer Night's Dream, I don't think they're rewriting Shakespeare, yeah. you know, or anyone else or whatever. You don't or, or you know, any play, you know, Arthur Miller, Tony Kushner, pick, pick, a, pick, pick an author. They 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 are who they are because they are brilliant writers of of script mm-hmm. and all of these things. And that's why we say their words, not our own in the meaning of, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, what I mean, yeah. so dance is the same way. Yes, the choreography is movable and pliable, but you have to do the choreography the way it's been taught and in in the style that it is. Now, you have to have your being inside of that, and that's what they're looking for you to bring, Mm -hmm. is that. So it's a fine line to ride, but you know, it's, it's, did I just go off on on like just a crazy tangent? (laughs) I
0: love it. I love it. There's a a couple of things I want to circle back around to because you're absolutely right. I think it's an amateur mistake that people make when they adjust choreography to something that they, that suits them. Uh, I've heard singers do that with notes. They want to do a different note because they can hit it. like, no, they didn't write that note. You have to respect the craft of the artist who made it. And even costume choices, people will roll up sleeves or roll up pants or no 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 you are not a costume designer you don't make those changes so you have to bring yourself to that character and and fully round out the vision of the director and the choreographer to create that character but you don't get to redo what they have set. So i think i think young performers get in trouble for that needlessly yeah college isn't high school anymore in high school, they're patting you on the head, saying, "Aren't you cute? Aren't you talented?" In college, it's like, you know what? You're a breath away from having to earn a paycheck and getting into the business of show. So yeah. you're not always going to hear the kindest things. Nor should you expect your professors to always say the kindest things about your performance, because they're there to make you better. Right.
1: right. Yeah.
3: And, 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 and if you're not willing to, to, if you're not willing to hear, then and, and listen and, and take, take criticism and, and note, whatever, anything, if you're not willing for that, then, then you're not, you're not going to make it in this.
0: Cause it's your college, your college professor is going to say it 10 times nicer than the casting director or the professional choreographer you're or, working
3: or, or, or they, or they'll, or, or they will say it and the others won't say anything. Yeah. That's the thing. Cause I mean, that, I tell these students all the time. I said, listen, this is where you want to hear the, 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 the negatives and the this and the that or whatever. I said, I said oh, the world can't be, oh, you're fabulous. Yeah.
0: I just want to say like, there are casting directors, directors, choreographers who won't give you feedback. No. They just won't hire you they just or they back. will find, yeah. it's not their job to do that. no Like, oh, how did I do it at the audition? Next, that may be the only word you hear from them. It's not their job to give you feedback. So exactly. when you're going to college, when you're in this safe space, that you have trusted advisors and professors and teachers who can give you criticism, pay attention because you might not get it in the future. You just won't hear anything at all. And that could be even more harmful. Right.
3: I remember one day I was a freshman and it was about midway of the, the, the first semester. And I was in the, the, the boys' dressing room it was all the, the, the senior guys and like everyone was changing clothes then for whatever classes or whatever. And one of them goes, so how do you like Bob's class? And I went, um, I said, yeah, I, I don't think he likes me. I said, he yelled, you it's like, I said, he, he yells at me a lot. And I said, it, it, it kind of freaks me out. And I, I, I said, I just kind of, I'm, I'm a little scared. And they're, like, and they're like, they just they just all just turn their heads at, listen, if he's yelling at you and saying things to you, then you better be thankful. They said, because you worry when he ignores you.
1: Yeah, there you go. When the
3: teacher is giving you correction and no matter how it's coming out or whatever, but they're giving you attention, be it good, bad or indifferent, then you need to take that and and be happy for it and work for it. And and they said, because that means he's interested in you and you've got something to, to give. They yeah. said he doesn't do that to just anyone. They 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 said they said if you're if they said are there other people in the class that he they, I said well no not so he said because he he's not interested in that.
0: That's so that's so true. That's such a great point. If your teacher isn't giving you attention, you need to hold up that mirror to yourself before you approach that teacher and say, "Am I showing up? Am I committed? Am I giving that teacher a reason to watch me in class? Because if i right. are not." then yeah. they're not going to focus their time on you
3: exactly I, I I have so many students that come and go well so-and-so doesn't get I, I haven't gotten any corrections and I, I, go, I go and I go did you want a correction <laughs> you know did you get did you give them a reason to want to correct you yeah. and then, and then I'll kind of look at me like and I'm going well did you you know yeah. it's like you know I, I said there has it, and I think students forget that. It's like, it's like just because you're standing there doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get attention. Like, you know, you have to impress the teacher. You have to impress the choreographer. You have to impress the director. You, and they're not going to sit there and pull, pull you out of thin air or like out of, no, you know, a, a mass of people and go, oh, I'm going to use you. <laughs> and if you haven't showed them anything to do it. Yeah, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it Ralph, I, it's been so great listening to your sure. story.
3: I I could go I could go on about this for hours.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I know you could. That's why I, I brought you in. That's why I'm right. so so glad that, that that you joined me today. And uh, I, I hope those listening are taking notes. Um, that they're writing some of that down and that they're following this advice. Because as I mentioned, Ralph has had this career, but he's also mentored and taught people through their careers. So he knows what he's talking about. And Ralph, I can't thank you enough for your time today. I wish you all the best.
3: You're very welcome, Christian. And thank you. And it's it's great to see you again.
1: Join me, Mark Pawsey, your host for pro series on performerstuff.com with friends and colleagues from the entertainment world whom I've had the pleasure to work alongside during my illustrious show business career. Together in conversation, we share our knowledge, experiences, wisdom and passion for the arts. From Broadway in the West End to theme parks, cruise ships and everything in between, Pro Series will bring you tips on how we succeeded in this industry that we love and respect. Pro Series, conversations with the pros brought to you by performerstuff.com.
0: I love that. Thank you so much, Ralph, for being on the show. You know, it's so true, whether it's in dance or in sports or anything, you have to earn the right for your professor to give you notes. If you want it, if you're trying and really giving your best, people are going to notice that you want it and you want to be better. And they're going to give you feedback and they're going to help and coach you along. If you're just coasting along, doing the minimum, just trying to get through it, nobody's going to waste their time making you better because you obviously don't want to make yourself better that happens in baseball and football all throughout sports when i was younger we saw i saw examples of that so whether it's dancing singing acting or in life if you want to get better people will notice and they will help you if you don't if you're not committed people aren't going to help you along so Please take note of that. And once again, Ralph, it was wonderful talking to you. Thank you so much for being on the show. On next week's episode, we have Broadway diva, Nikki Snelson. And she's going to be talking about her audition that landed her the role in the original Broadway cast. Uh, of Legally Blonde, the musical, where she created the role of Brooke Wyndham. She's also going to be talking about the audition that led her to star opposite Bernadette Peters in the revival of Annie Get Your Gun. In my Thank You Five section, I will be talking about working with celebrities and how cool it is and what you can learn from that experience. And in Professor's Corner next week, Darla Hayward, former casting director for Walt Disney World, Tokyo Disney, Disney Cruise Line. She has cast thousands and thousands of people over her career. So she knows a thing or two about the audition process from a casting director's point of view. You are not going to want to miss what Darla Hayward has to say. Once again, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, make sure you hit the subscribe button. Check us out and watch these interviews on performerstuff.com and look us up on Facebook. In the Holding Room on Facebook, send us a message, ask us a question, and in intheholdingroom.com where you can find the resources of all these performers and what they recommend as well. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week in the Holding Room with me, Christian Abbott.